Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. If you turned on the radio in Miami in the 80s and 90s, it probably sounded like this. Tonight, live on the turntables, Lazaro Mendez kicking off his show with a brand new song. This is Teased to Please on Power 96. It was the sound of your block parties, your cousin's king says, your uncle's barbecue. It was the sound of DJ Laz. You listen to him alone in your car on your morning drive, and you listen to him with your friends at the skating rink on weekends. Lazaro Mendez was the sound of Miami. He made his name scratching records on the air at Power 96 and Hot 105. He mixed Miami bass with Latin music, the music his mom played on records at home. He put the two together, and added his own sasson. And he created club anthems like this one. He helped bring stars like Pitbull to the airwaves for the first time. And now he's on Pitbull's Sirius XM channel every Saturday. Today, we finally got him on public radio. Yeah. Bienvenido, DJ Laz. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> First of all, Carlos, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure because we get to bring you on and debunk some of the questions that we have. Like, oh, boy. So prepárate. Prepárate. It's, it's going to be an hour to remember. <laughs> First and foremost, is it true that Pitbull is your nephew? Uh, not by blood, but as close as you can get with, without being... Blood. I'm I'm Uncle Laz, and he's the nephew Pitbull. <laughs> so why do people think that? Where did that come from? Is it because you kind of helped? Pick, well, a hundred percent. Definitely because um, at the beginning of his career, definitely helped out. And a lot of people they call me Uncle. Mm -hmm. A lot of you know uh, Flow Rider. Uh, they're basically saying Uncle Luke, Uncle Laz. You know, I what I'm saying that. the people that have been in the game for a long time and helped a lot of people out. But but Pitt and I developed a, a very special bond. I remember when. When Uncle Luke brought him to me and he called me up, he's like, Laz, I got this little light-skinned, light-eyed Chico, pa-pa-pa-pa-pa. And I said, bring him to the station. And he brought him to the station. It was one of those, man, this kid's got something. Not, I'm not sure exactly what it is yet, but he's got something. He's got that it factor. And clearly, thank God. There's something about oh, it. We were right. There's something about really talented people that the second you meet them, 100%. they kind of sparkle. 100%. Yeah. It's called that it, that it factor. It's that it factor. It's exactly that what just, it is. It just gets into your bones immediately. You walk into a room and you command attention. Yeah. That's when you go, okay, there's something here. And I remember it was record after record after record that he would bring me. And I was like, no, nah, this ain't it. This ain't it. They mm. probably brought me 15, 18 records. That he was working on. Music oh, yeah, music. On. You know, when Luke introduced me, we exchanged numbers, and I said, oh, hey, bring me music, and I'll let you know. And he brought me music and music and music and music, and it was good, but it wasn't where it needed to be. And all of a sudden, he brought me, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah was the beginning when I go, ooh. Okay, wait a second. There's something here. There is something here that is special. And he goes, oh, I remember the call. He's like, you think so? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I know so. And that afternoon, I played it on power. 
and every phone line lit up. And that song later ended up on ended up on Fast, Fast and, and the Furious. Furious. Yeah. yeah, you were really, really a Miami taste a music tastemaker in that sense. Like you were sure. really like kind of sensing like, okay, this is right or this is not quite right mm-hmm. for the year for Power ninety six. Which folks at the time before XM before you had a a million listening uh, opportunities. Sure. I mean, it was... You it had was, to listen to the radio. That's right. And if you wanted to hear your song, you had to wait for us to play it. None of this instant gratification that is out now. Right. Where if you want something, it's in the palm of your hand. Right. It's right there. You go, oh, I want to hear this record. And boom. People used to have to wait by the radio with a cassette <laughs> with a little... Um, tissue paper in it with scotch tape because once you broke those tabs you couldn't record that's right so you had to put that in and then wait oh he's gonna play it boom and let it go that's right and hope the dj didn't talk over it 100 percent 100 percent um and i think that that's interesting because then you played such a pivotal role in making the miami sound Right, which is we have all this music floating in the ether, right? Mm-hmm. Like that we're listening. We're listening to rap. We're listening to hip hop, Miami bass. And then it really God. took someone to kind of grab those things and like the Latin, again, the Latin music that we, and, and infuse them and bring them together. I mean, talk to me about that a little bit, about that, that playing like that, that's that seamstress, that tailor, that tailored the things together. Um, listen, pretty, pretty simple. I, I loved Miami bass music. Mm. Um, what were you listening to? What was oh, your two what was live? Your all that, all that stuff. All the two live crew. All the Uncle Luke. And I'm talking two live crew when they were in California before they came to Miami. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, two live came from California when they had the song Revolution. Mm-hmm. Revolution was recorded in Cali. Then they got together with Luke and they got to Miami. Oh, right, because Luke came on later and uh... yes, two live was around before, but he's the one that boom. You're such a Miami music historian. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> because I, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> but I think you have to be connected, right, to be able to understand those things. Like knowing what, how it changed the Miami sound when like a Two Live Crew comes to California and how it changes when you add this very Miami guy with sure. a Miami flavor and passion to the music. There was a song called Beatbox. And another one called Revolution. Anybody who's listening, you can Google these things. Yeah, and, now you can just go to Google them out. and hear it on YouTube, right? Don't you love Google? I do love it. <laughs> and YouTube. God, uh, YouTube. Oh, no. Listen, kids today, I love you. But damn, <laughs> damn, well, we... damn, 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 damn. Kids today now can figure anything out. And it's not even just kids. I found myself the other day. I bought, I bought something. I had no idea. I came with no instructions. And I go, YouTube. That's right. And guess what? There was a hundred videos. Listen, there was a video on on how to do it. How to fix the ice maker on my obscure refrigerator. So it's like everything is there. It's insane. But before YouTube, you're grabbing these things and you're and you're infusing them. But then you what's what's unique is that you're not just a you're not just a disc jockey in that you're playing music. You are then adding your own kind of flavor and sound. And I'm we had so many songs to pick from, but um, (laughs) but we're gonna we're gonna try to get to some today. Okay. The The one that I wanna talk about I want you to tell us the story behind this song. There's a reason why I named it Block Party.
that song is iconically Miami. Yes. Tell me about the creation of that song. Okay. Well, first of all, funny part, that record made it on my uh, on my album Category Six. No promotion, no nothing behind the record. We just put it on because it felt good. Mm -hmm. So the way that song came about, I was playing in the Dominican Republic. It was probably it was a New Year's Eve type gig. I went there a couple days early with some of my friends, mm -hmm. and we go to. We go to. Uh, I see you nodding into the other room. We go to the beach, <laughs> and because we we were uh, the party was in Casa Campo. Okay, right. The party's always in Casa Campo. Of course. <laughs> so Casa Campo is where the party at. But but Casa Campo can be very snooty, hmm. very money. Okay. And I like I like to party with the people. Mm -hmm. So I said to the guy, I said Alex, how can I get out of here? I want to go to the beach, maybe like Aleta, something like that, and just. Go hang out, yeah, no problem. I have my driver take you. So cool. We go. I was with a buddy of mine, Will, and another buddy of mine, Ray. So we go. And when we get to the beach, there's probably three, four hundred people on the beach, a lot of them women. And I go, Oh, I need music. I need music. You so start look, looking around for it. I looked at my buddy Will and I go, I hand him a, a wad of cash. <laughs> I go, go buy me a radio. Wow. And he looked at me, he goes, we're on the beach. <laughs> when the beach I, said, the oh, I said, figure it out. You got a water cash. 20 minutes go by. I see him walking down the beach. I don't see a radio. I see eight guys with buckets walking behind him. And I'm looking like, wait a minute. You, did you come back with magic beans? I'm like, dude, <laughs> are you serious? So it is, you know, the people's radio. So I got to keep it clean. Uh, he goes, listen, this is what you got. Make it happen. There's no beep radios around here. And I go, okay. Make some musica. So the guys sit on the beach and they get their buckets and they start playing. And I'm listening to this. These guys jamming on these buckets. And what were like, the beat? What they, they were just giving you it, beats. Yeah, it was just like, like it felt good. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden, when they start playing, I see a group of five girls here. I see 10 girls from over there. Before you know it, we got 300 people around us at the beach in the Dominican Republic, and it is a beach party. You made the block party. You brought the block party to 100%. the beach. 100%. So I said, hmm, okay, there's something here. So my buddy Ray, I'll never forget it. Every time another beautiful woman would walk up and start dancing, he would go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm thinking, I'm putting that in the song. I'm putting that in the song. <laughs> You're writing lyrics. I'm already, in my head, I'm already going, okay, oh, my God's got to be in the record exactly the way he said it. Cool. What, what's next? <clears throat> Excuse me, by the way. I, I haven't talked on the radio in a long time, so my, my voice is cracking. You got, you got, the, you got the, the DJ voice for the crowd. <laughs> now we're bringing, right, right, now we're bringing, bringing it down. down. Right. And the most iconic part is that, okay, then you get to that, and then you get the, that little rhyme. Si tú pasas por mi casa y tú okay. ves a mi mujer, tú le dices que estoy en Hialeah. Trabajando en factoría por culpa de Fidel. Where does that line come from? Is okay. that an Amarajeda thing? Where that, is that from? That is my mother. Rest in peace, Mom. Mom used to sing that in the house years ago. I didn't even remember the lyrics till I got back home and I called my old man. Because Mom had dementia, so Mom really couldn't. And I said, Papi, ¿cómo se llamaba la canción esa? Okay, and I, I started singing the, right. the hook. It's right. old song from Cuba. And I go, okay, I'm, I'm going to redo it. 
it went from a thing that people would say at the market, at La Ventanita, at una cosa que you would hear at a party, just like uh, Los Viejos, the old folks singing. And then you took that and you brought it to the mainstream. Made it, made the hook the focus of the song. And again, music, the way it works, no money behind it, no push. We told nobody we did this record. Grassroots, all the DJs across the country started playing the record. And people gravitated to the song because it's es una fiesta. It's something you grew up with where you went to a quinceañera, you went to somebody's house and there was a song that just made you feel comfortable and good. That's exactly what, what that song was. And it fused an old school hook with some locura we did on the beach in Dominican Republic. And it worked. Right. Because and then in, in a way it captured so many of the cult so much of the culture of culture. Land. It is a culture song, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and all those things like that that speaks so much to to like your role in bringing those things together, right? And like really you're one of the OGs, the creator of folks who don't know Miami mm. booty music, right? Like that whole story con la muchacha on the beach, like that is that all plays into the oh. this iconic idea of music that makes you want to move and maybe take your clothes off. You know, Mami and Negro. Mami and Negro was the first single I ever put out. And it was a mix that I started doing at home. Now, let me backtrack a little bit. I started in this game when I was 14. I would help my brother out doing private parties. Mm -hmm. um, I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And I would see the way people would react to certain music. Now, I have 17 surgeries on my legs. So a lot of normal schooling that uh that kids would go to my school was at home so i had a lot of downtime right so i remember i told my dad and boy have i paid for this a billion times over viejo i'm on forward comprame some turntables a mixer and some speakers i'll never ask you for anything in my life again if you give me this one thing just give me this one thing you'll never have to buy me anything again and i guess he thought it was a good deal so he did and I remember my first set of turntables were Morant's belt drive turntables that every time you brought it back to do a cut, the belt would fall off. You'd have to take the whole thing apart and re-put the belt back on. Um, but I practiced on that. And then I came across somebody selling some Technique 1200s and, and got those. And you built your way up. And built my way up. Our guest today is Lazaro Mendez, but you know him as DJ Laz. He's a legendary Miami DJ. You've heard him on Power 96 and Sirius XM, and today he's here with us. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of people don't know the story, and I certainly I didn't, okay. of, of how you became known as the Pimp, pimp of the Limp. The limp. Like you, you, have, uh, you walk with a limp, but yep. there's, there's a whole story behind that, and that kind of maybe leads to how you spend a lot of time listening to music? Absolutely. So for the people that don't know, because I've heard a lot, a lot of different stories about me, by the way, and I'd, I'd love them all. I heard, oh, yeah, no, no, Laz used to be in a gang. He, he got, got shot, shot seven times. He got shot. I heard I've been stabbed. I heard I got bit by a shark. That was a fun one. That sounds fun. Um, I've heard every story there is. Uh, but the actual truth is I had a birth defect when I was born. Oh. Um, orthogryposis was the official diagnosis. And imagine, you know, I was born here. Mom and dad, Cuba, my siblings, Cuba. I was like, I was the, let's have sex because we made it to a free country, baby. <laughs> you were the celebration baby. 100%. Oh. 
So I like the way you put it. He puts it so eloquently. Listen, right? we're on public I, radio. We got. I, I say it, and it sounds dirty. He comes. You're the celebration. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got to clean yes. you up, man. We got to clean yes. you up for NPR. <laughs> um. So long story short, you know, mom gives birth, and this is 51 years ago. And when I'm born, the bottom of my feet. I need you to picture this for a second. Bottom of my feet are touching my chest. Oh my goodness. Bottom. Wow. And mom gives birth. They wrap me up real quick and shook. Wow. Take me out of the room. Now I'm the baby of four. Mom knew the routine. Yeah. When you have a child. She knew something was off. She knew something was up. Yeah. They wrap me up. They take me out of the room. And mom's like, what's happening here? And my sister comes back in wearing dark sunglasses. And mommy, yes, I So the doctor comes in and tells mom, Mrs. Mendez, I have some bad news for you. Your son was born with a birth defect. Uh, he will never walk. He'll never sit. He'll never stand. He will lie flat in a bed his entire life. Well, I know that's not true because you walked in here. No, <laughs> 100%. So that's what they told mom. So mom says, Doc, do me a favor. Please don't repeat that to anybody ever again. Don't tell my husband. That's what she said. She said, my husband doesn't have the faith that I have. Wow. Like that. So mind you, this is an American doctor. Has no idea, you know, Cuban parents. And he's like, ma'am, you know, whatever you'd like. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is, is what it is. Okay. And, so, that, and that became, but that uh, that that became a series of of surgeries and a lot oh, of faith behind it. So mom is sitting in the hospital room by herself. Everybody was out. Mom says Jesus appeared in front of her. Oh boy! Have faith in me. Your son will walk. Don't believe what the doctors are saying. Shunk. Mom says she stood there with every hair in her body up, and that's the day she said, "We're gonna name him Lazaro." Made a promise. The Saint Lazaro, the saint of healing, that if I were to walk, she would dress in a dress made out of burlap, potato sack for one year. She said she's sitting there doing it, and I'm doing exactly what the doctor said I'd be doing. Lying it's flat in the crib. Mm-hmm. She said she looks over, and I sat up. She calls the doc. Doc, Laz is sitting in the crib. Oh, Mrs. Mendez, oh my God, it's a miracle, ba 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 Keep me posted. And I don't know the timeline, so do not quote me on the right, timeline right, here. Right, right, yeah. Fresh, I'm sure this is far after being freshly born. So what happens? I don't know if it's months later, weeks later. I have no idea. So look, she looks over, and I'm standing in the crib. Calls the doctor back. Doc, Laz is standing in the crib. The doc's like, okay, yeah, give me posted, whatever. But probably behind the scenes going, this woman is out of her mind, and she's delusional. Wow. She calls the doc back. Doc. Laz just walked. He's like, I got to see this. No. He says to her, Mrs. Mendez, I need you to check yourself into a mental institution. Oh, my God. It is physically impossible for your son to walk. He has no joints. She goes, oh, so you think I'm crazy. I called you. You're at the hospital. I'm on my way. Don't leave. Everything the doctor read about, saw in videos, studied just got debunked, went out the window hmm. because she pulled up to the hospital, takes me out of the car, puts me down and all messed up, but I walked. 
Right. So that doctor fell to his knees, did not move for 20 minutes. Wow. And so what did that do then? I think I've read you've had, you had a series of surgeries. 17 of them. 17 surgeries yeah. to get to the point where, where you can walk with, with a little more, more ease. Well, I'm sure with each surgery, you know, more ability came. But to what age, to what age were you having these already? I'm going to say 12 was the last one because at 12, they, I'm in the hospital. They got the IV in ready to perform surgery. And the doctor walks in and hands the papers to my mom and says, I need you to sign here because the surgery we're doing is very close to a certain nerve. And if we cut that nerve by accident, you can't sue us. And my mom said, hang on one second. Lazarito. <laughs> She pulled the IV out. She goes, listen, you guys told me he wouldn't walk once. He walks. I'll take him out of here. No, thank you. You can keep your surgery. She beat the house already. She beat the house. She wasn't going to try to gamble again because the house always wins. And 12 years old lines up really interesting because that's the time where you become interested in this idea of becoming a DJ, right? A little before then because my brother was a DJ and my brother would do private parties and I would go with him and help him out. And I remember the day that I said, this is what I want to do right here. I saw my brother playing music, meeting girls, and at the end of the night, somebody handed him cash. I said, that's for me right there. Ding, 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 ding. What, what was the role of music in your life up to then? Like, did you grow up? What kind of music did you grow up listening to? Mom would listen to everything in the house. Like what? what was old, some Cuba, old Cuban music, you know, Celia Cruz, all the, mm -hmm. all the typical traditional classics. Right. And mom was a singer in Cuba. Oh, really? So, yo, yeah, my mom was a singer and she was climbing that ladder when Castro came in and all hell broke loose after that. Wow. So, so you, you grew up really uh, with music surrounding you then. Yes. And then I imagine your brother being the youngest of, of all these kids, they were bringing the music from, from the streets and from what they were hearing on the radio and from other friends bringing into your house. hundred percent. So I grew up, you know, the back then the disco era, my brother was the DJ at the candy store on Fort Lauderdale beach for nine years. Did you watch him kind of become that DJ and having that kind of life and, and yeah, start to picture uh, yourself doing that? Uh, well, like I said, the yeah. day I pictured myself doing it was the day I, I saw him play music, meet girls, and get paid. I go, this is me. <laughs> um, but I remember I would help him out doing private parties. And I would go and help him set up and mm -hmm. you know just sit back and watch. And my brother, he was very complacent in a certain time in his life where he was just like oh i'm good i make this money i do this he didn't want to take it to the next level my brother was a very simple creature and i was like oh man not only do i want to play people's music i want to make my own music you know what i'm saying i want oh, to do this another I want to do that. it was another yeah. a whole nother grind and so they grow up with this kid from the neighborhood who then starts spinning music in right. nearby places, which makes sense why Fort Lauderdale, you had that connection to those clubs and up there. Right, because I lived, and then when my parents got divorced, mom stayed in Hollywood, dad moved to Flagler Street. So Monday through Friday, I was in Hollywood. Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, I was in Miami. Wow, so you're getting this taste of these oh, I got two everything. musical worlds then. I got it all. Yeah. And then when you start making music, do you remember moments where like, it starts becoming interesting to you to create, to, to bring these these different things together, these different kinds of music together. Do you remember some of those early times where you 100%. did it? I remember the song from Wilfredo Varga, El Africano, which is Mami El Negro. Right. And I remember playing- Super popular song oh my in God. the 80s. And, and to, that, to this day, you yeah. play El Africano and people go crazy. Yeah. I remember taking the instrumental 
of Boot the Booty, which was done by Clay D, and taking the merengue song, Mami El Negro, and mixing it over the top. You made merengue into Miami booty music. 100%, and it sounded good. Tell me about the reception to that song, the original. Where did you where did you first try that out, and what was the reception to it? Club Manhattan, Manhattan's. It was down South Miami. Um, I don't know if it was Rhythm '98 or Hot 105 that was doing an event, and I had to do a DJ set, and I did that mix live, and I saw the reaction of the people, and I said, "There is something here." What was the reaction? Like? Oh, going crazy, and then looking up like. You put these two together? That's dope. And that, that must have really opened your eyes like, oh, I did something special, special here. 100%. And so you started to do more of it. So, well, first I wanted to perfect that one. Oh. So then with that one, I said, okay, there is a song here. Let me take this and let me put it with this. Then I connected with a guy named Danny D. So Danny D had a song called Boom, I Got Your Girlfriend. Okay. Yep. Which, I remember that song. If which, you grew up in the '90s, you know that song. Which he brought Miami. me on a cassette, and I played that record on Power '96 off a cassette. I brought in a cassette player, connected it to the board, <laughs> and played that record off a cassette, and people lost their minds. They're like, "Yo, play that record again! Play that record again!" So I, I hit up Danny, and I go, "Yo, people are responding to this record." Mm -hmm. So, so you end up working a lot with with Danny. D, so right? I tell Danny, I said, "Hey." He got a deal with Heatwave Record because of that. And we end up co-producing Mami and Negro together. Him, me, and DJ Wiz. Now, by the way, I shopped my version of Mami and Negro with the booty to like 10 different record labels. Everybody turned me down. Everybody. They were like, oh, it's cool. It's a novelty, but you know, it's not going to go past that. And I'm like, oh, you guys are not seeing the vision here. You're crazy. Mm. So I went to New York, I went to Cutting Records. Here's this, here's this kid with a bad leg walking wherever Cutting Records was, coming off a subway and going to meet with people. And then finally I ended up uh, inking a deal with Pandisk Records here in Miami, a guy named Bo Crane, which Bo was like, it's crazy enough and cool enough that it just might work. What taught you to trust your instinct like that at such a young age? Dude, just, when my gut says something, I just go for it. And I don't take no for an answer. I love no, as a matter of fact. Hmm. I really do. I love when somebody tells me I can't do something. Okay. No problem. That just gives you more fire. Oh, 100%. That feels like such a pit bull mentality. Well, he, he got it from somewhere, that's for sure. Huh. So I love it when people would tell me no. And here we go later on in the years. And we put the record out. And the record starts getting ads all over the country from different radio stations that nobody ever expected. So we start traveling and doing shows, me, Danny D, and DJ Wiz. And before you know it, we're in California, we're in Texas, we're in all these places that we never imagined we would be. You, you opened with that song for Selena. Right? First show I ever did as DJ Laz outside of Florida. First show I ever did was at Fair Park in Dallas, Texas, and the headliner, was Selena. Wow. No. And so you come out oh, no. before the, to warm, warm up that crowd with <laughs> Mami and Nero? I come out. Just imagine. 
This is before the days of YouTube, but people knew what you looked like, before music videos, you know, where small budget people like me couldn't get a music video on MTV. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, yep. Before all that, so what happens? Dallas, Texas, 30,000 people. The record was popping in the streets. People knew the song. All of a sudden, here comes this, and give it up for DJ Laz. People go crazy, lose their minds. Lose their minds, and bah. And all of a sudden, here comes this kid with a bad leg walking out, and the whole crowd was like, (laughs) (laughs) wait a second, what's going on here? And as soon as the record kicked on and we started doing our thing, they forgot all about the limp. What was that moment like for you to see Amazing. I mean, obviously, like, the flood of energy, but, like, once that night is over and you take a minute to think about what just happened, did you spend some time thinking, like, all right, I don't know, what did that do to you? Just gave me more confidence than I already had. Because one thing I I have, and thank God, what I lack in physical ability, I have in personality. So I don't really (laughs) care that I got a bad leg. Well, that's half DJ. Ever. Right? We've, had, I mean, we had uh, we had Walshy Fire in here. Uh, Walshy, uh, love him. And he like the, so much of it is is that belief in yourself and the hype man. Like oh. the DJ is the hype man. Dude, it's simple. How are you going to convince me to believe in you if you don't believe in you? Hmm. That you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to sell me that you believe in yourself before I'm going to say, oh yeah, because I need to know that when I start pulling all these strings and trying to get you to the next level, that you're not going to buckle. Right. So that that's that's what happened. And that's what you do to a crowd, right? And dude, that that show in front of that many people opening for I knew Selena was big, but you know, what she ended up doing afterwards was incredible. You know what I'm saying? She became a global superstar. Um But before she did that, she had she Yeah, had DJ Laz opening up in Lass. Dallas. <laughs> I wanna talk more about that and then how the music from that point kind of catapults your career but first we have to take another break our guest today is Lazaro Mendez you know him as DJ Laz he used to spin records on Power 96 now you can hear him on Pitbull's Globalization Station on Sirius XM if you missed any part of our conversation all Sundial episodes are available on our daily podcast our guest today is Lazaro Mendez you know him as DJ Laz he used to spin records on Power 96 now you can hear him on Pitbull's Station on Sirius XM so you know this, you you find this incredible success uh, with mixing Latin music and popular music. Yes. And now tell me about how that starts to bring in other stars, right? Like other people are listening to what you're doing, and they're like, "Hey, not not just using our music, but now like, how can we start collaborating in this?" Tell me about that, about how that I, taking I that next leap, you know? I got calls from different labels. Hey, can you work with this artist? And can you work with this artist? And maybe. You know, bring some of that 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 cool culture street feel to certain things. Like you know, cool. Um, worked with a bunch of people. I mean, uh, Emilio Estefan, love you. He's he, he's like my uncle. Right. You know Shout out saying? to a deal. You know what I'm saying? I'm Pitbull's uncle. He's my uncle. He's everybody's <laughs> uncle. Um, so I got to sit in the studio with with him quite a bit, and you know, help out where I could. Um, but ultimately, it just led to making more. Of my own music, right? So, so you're both on the radio, and you're making. I mean, obviously, Power ninety six is where you're able to get this voice across, sure. Right? Uh, like for the first time, really large and global. And at the same time, you're getting gigs and you're playing everywhere around around the world. Oh right? my god, it was it was insane. And back then, it was like you would travel Friday, you had to be back Monday. I was doing afternoon, so that to me, that's the best gig on the radio. By the way, 
because you can sleep in. Party all night, you can sleep in, and you can go to work for four or five hours, you know, middle of the day. <laughs> that was the best. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm doing gigs, and then I started. That album number one was self-titled DJ Laz. Mm-hmm. That was the one that had Mami and Negro and stuff like that. Then I was traveling so much that on my next album, I want to say that was Journey into Bass. King of Bass or Journey into Bass. Um, we did a record sampling separate ways from Journey. Well, the night before we're supposed to master the song, the album, we get a cease and desist from from the people, from people the that own, yeah, from the Journey crew saying, hey, you can't use it. Um, do something else. So we go into the studio and we had to make two records that night because oh, another Lord. one from Carlos Santana got denied as well. Wow, and that that takes you back to like the like the early days where people still hadn't totally wrapped their mind around sampling. Sure, like they didn't. They totally hadn't wrapped their minds around the idea that sampling could be used then to meet, make a uh, another well, whole art re- form, and not, it could boost their own. Not all, that was what I was going to say. Yeah. It revives other people's careers, people songs that weren't doing great. Even though Journey Separate Ways is one of the classic forever, right? But it just sounded so good the way I had it. So we had to go in there and redo it, play something different. It worked. It worked. We didn't have an issue with it. And then for the Carlos Santana one, I had to create something at three o'clock in the morning. And I did a song called Red Alert on my drum machine, 15, 18 minutes of producing it. And I go, hey, mix it and master it tomorrow. And that record blew up. <laughs> so what did that tell what did that tell you about the, the art form? Don't overthink things. Hmm. Don't overthink things. When if you feel that something sounds great. Don't try to overproduce it. Don't try to, oh, I need to add more. I need to add another track. I need to add this. I need, ya lo mataste. You killed it. You need to keep it raw. Keep it raw and, and just, if it sounds good and feels good, go. So how does that translate to what you're doing today, right? Like, I mean, because music and the industry has changed so much that now you find yourself on XM after like some moving around and corporate, big corporate entities bought lots of radio stations. Sure. And, and I, I guess that, you know, places lose a bit of personality you know over the over the years corporate america has killed terrestrial radio Mm -hmm. killed it all the creativity all the fun you used to be able to have now you can't have that fun lucy lopez a past sundial guest who was on here and she she talked about the same thing about 100 and she was another really great voice in miami Uh, they they watered down they watered down the art form and for me i've always said it the day that I no longer have fun doing radio, I'm out. So how did you continue to have fun? Where did you, where do you Sirius find Sirius XM. Oh, that's where you find that's the That's where I have my fun. That is my musical therapy and my outlet to just have a great time. But on my show, there's no talking about like what we're doing right here. No, none of that. It is party, 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 party. Turn it up. Enjoy yourself. You're having a bad day. I guarantee you by the time I finish doing these mixes, you're going to forget about your bad day. At least if I let you forget about it for two hours, then I did my job. And and uh, your, your quote unquote nephews involved in that yeah. in that station, right? So what is it like to kind of flip that a little bit, right? It's like, awesome. It's what, a- I remember we were sitting. Matter of fact, we were sitting on his plane when we were talking about. Oh, now you got to put a dollar in the jar. You're, well, flex, you're flexing. Hey, listen, <laughs> it, when you work hard, you get to flaunt a little bit. Um, when we talked about Sirius XM. And having, you know, the own channel and, and doing something. And we made it happen. We flew to New York. We were talking to, uh, there was a guy back then. I think he's, he's still in charge, Steve. I haven't been on there in years. But yeah, hey, let's do it. 
and we're going on six or seven years of, of globalization. What what is that? What does that allow you to do? Um, freedom, hmm. freedom without a program director that doesn't live in the market, doesn't understand the streets, doesn't understand the culture, telling me what I can and cannot play. That's what it does for me. Gives me freedom. So much of of what made you a success and made people love with you is that you were connected to the culture and bringing that in. How are you trying to do that now? Like, how do you try to keep that connection? Well, I'm constantly in the streets. I still do a, a weekly club here in Miami. Do you really? Oh yeah, yeah. Copper at- Blues City Place Doral, another place. My musical therapy. I get to go. I play there, and I could play new. Old, Spanish, English, reggae, reggaeton, Miami booty, freestyle, house music. I get to, I just run the gamut. I get to do everything. Do you find that that new people are finding your music? Like it's not just it's not just guys like me who grew up with it, but new people are finding your music. I'll tell you what blew me away. I don't really follow like Spotify and all this other stuff, but somebody sent me, hey, do you know how many monthly listeners you have on your Spotify channel? I go, wait, I have a Spotify channel? <laughs> you got good managers, so I don't have to think about that. I'm like, wow, okay. And uh, they sent me a list, half a million monthly listeners. And that, and, and I haven't dropped an album since 2007. Wow. That blew you away. <laughs> what? So yes, the beauty of music, it, it's timeless. Because somebody who grew up listening to me or knowing my music, um, cool. But letting somebody find it that does know nothing about Laz and just liking the music? Are you kidding? I, I, I think for folks who haven't discovered it and have, I, I think we're, I think we're, we need some more music. So like we have a, we have a couple cuts here to kind of re- oh boy. reinforce, reinforce the music that made it such a household name in Miami. Um, why don't we hear a little bit of that? I that's funny. And that's <laughs> and that song is everything, right? Everything we're talking about, which is your mom listening to Celia Cruz 100%. while you're home. That is, you know, you scratching in the background. That is bringing in what other what other songs are we hearing laid over the top of that? Dude, because of the success of Mami and Negro mm-hmm. is when I started really, okay, wait, that worked really well. People gravitated to it. They love it. Now let me find other songs and and give them something that it, at that point, it had not been done before. So, you know, grabbing an old school merengue, grabbing a Celia Cruz song, grabbing, uh, you know, something like that and putting it together with Miami booty bass beats, it worked. Right. And it was it was so different that it makes people do this. You ever listen to the radio and all the songs sound the same? You're like, ah, it's the radio. Right. But then something comes on that is so different that either you do one of two things. Turn it down or turn it way up to go, what the <laughs> hell is this? And thank God I was able to make people turn it up and go, what the hell is this? Right. And that's where all these songs came from. What I mean, after doing this for literally your your whole life, I mean, being Pretty much. being 12, 13 years old, you know, interested in, in DJing, like what what makes you excited today about music? Like, is there music yellowfin they, tuna? 
<laughs> oh, my passion is fishing when I'm not when I'm not working. Bird watching. That's the old person thing. Oh no, no, no. I can't do the I do watch birds, but I look for the birds that are finding the fish for me. That's what I do. Um but at the end of the day, music still excites me. Who's who's making music that makes you crazy? That makes you like, wow, this is Okay. Now 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 see, now you're gonna get me canceled because now I'm gonna say some things that I probably shouldn't say. The new young hip hop, I don't care for. You don't love it. I don't. I don't. I have a I have an eighteen year old son and it's great. What does he what does he love? He loves some of this new stuff, but because he's my kid and he grew up in a house like I did listening to my mom, he can go rock a fifty year old birthday party. He can do it. Is he he's a DJ also? Oh yeah, yeah. DJ, producer, the whole bit. So what No if- DNA test needed. That kid's got it. That, that kid, that no, kid's hundred percent DJ land. No, except well, for the limp. Except for the limp. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got all the best parts. What what has that been like to see him? Oh my god! Because when you just said you said, "Hey, mom, dad, I'm gonna be a DJ," I'm sure they didn't go, "Hey, that's great," or did they? Not at all. Right. Not at all. My mother came in one day, rest her soul. <laughs> she came into the house, and I was in the back with a, a cast on my legs, I'm playing on the turntables that my dad bought me. Wow. And my mother walks in and I'm chicken, chicken, chicken. And she comes in, I'll never forget this. Lazarito, para con el chicken, 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 que vas a romper el disco. I will translate. Lazaro, stop with the chicky, 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 which is scratching, because uh, you're going to break the record. That's exactly what she said. They didn't quite get it. They were, until, until, one of the proudest moments of my life when I was able to buy my mom a new car. It wasn't anything, it wasn't a Mercedes, it was an Ultima. It was a brand new Ultima with a red bow on it. And I pull up to her house and I knock on her door and I said, Vea, sapa fuera. And she comes outside and she sees this red bow in her car and she goes, Que es eso? Oh, it's a carro tuyo. That's yours. Pa' me? That's mine? And I go, yeah. She goes, with the cheeky, cheeky, cheeky. <laughs> and I say, yeah, with the cheeky, cheeky, cheeky. She's like, bueno. Sigue con el chiqui, chiqui, chiqui. Keep going. <laughs> so all the neighbors that, that knew the, the, the Mendez family from the, uh, the bur- lady with the burlap sack, uh-huh. now their son, the famous DJ, just bought her a new car with a big red bow up front. God is great. <laughs> and so how does, that, how does that translate then when you look at your own son and he sees, he's so inspired by what you do and he loves, apparently loves it so much. He does. That he's doing it also. Um, it's humbling. It's amazing. It's nerve-wracking. Hmm. Why nerve-wracking? I'll tell you why it's nerve-wracking. Um, I remember the first party that we DJed together was a homecoming, a homecoming for Archbishop McCarthy. He was a freshman in that school. In Broward County. Okay. In Broward County. All right. And I'm sitting there, and my assistant, Quan can attest to this, and I'm, I'm nitpicking. And I'm like trying to micromanage. And I'm like, I would look over his shoulder and I'd see the song that he was going to play next. And I'm like, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) And I found myself getting myself nervous. And I go, if I'm getting myself nervous, this kid's got to be freaking out. Oh, you you, you didn't want to freak him out. Well, I did. The next party, I said, I know how we're going to handle this. I'm going to do my 30 minutes. When I'm done, I'm going to walk out. You're going to do 30 minutes. I'll come back in 30 minutes later. I don't want to hear what you did. I don't want to know what you did. Because it was just. You wanted him to let him give it a chance to be him. It was more. Listen, it was more for me than him. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. It was so nerve wracking 
for me that I said, I cannot micromanage this kid like this because he's not going to want to do this. And now we have a perfect working relationship. I was on the road with Will to Power at that age. Will to Power had a number one, two number ones, Dreamin' and Baby I Love Your Way. And I wasn't, I wasn't the DJ then, believe it or not. I was the road manager. I'm walking around New York City in a black, in a black coat with $30,000 in cash on me <laughs> from shows that we just did. And it was awesome to see. I didn't start doing the DJ gigs for them until we started doing like um, grad night and stuff like right. that in Orlando. So, so how do you try to mentor him and, and really and other folks who might come to you and say, you know, I'm interested in being a DJ or people that are close to your life? Um, you got to let people make their own mistakes. Mm. I learned that a long time ago. There's no way I can give you advice. Doesn't mean you're going to listen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I can try to point you in the right direction, but you're going to do things and you're going to fail. It, it's very simple in life. It's not if you fail because we're all going to fail. It's how you get back up and how you dust yourself off and keep moving. Because that, that's what it's all about. If you think that your life is going to be absolutely perfect and you have no hurdles, no speed bumps, no problems, you're out of your mind. But those speed bumps, those hurdles, those accidents, all those things make you who you are. After learning those things and seeing your son and coming, coming to a way to see, you know, to help him develop into his own thing. How does that influence what you want to do next? I mean, I'm sure, um, I'm sure you don't look like the guy that's ready to retire. No, 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 no. I don't want to work as hard as I did for the last 35 years. That I will tell you. Hmm. I've learned now. I've learned now how to appreciate all the hard work that I've put in. Hmm. And thank God. I've made some good moves in my life where I can do that. If I sit back and do nothing, I will be bored out of my mind. That I can't do. So still going out and doing gigs, um, opening up for Pitt. I got 25 shows in the next eight months with him. I don't want to do the entire tour. I don't want to be there, leave on a Monday, come back, you know, three months later. No, you told me to be a whole bicycle. I want to pick and choose my shows. I want to say, hey, I want to do South Carolina. I want to do Kentucky. I want to do Chicago. And if they're spread apart, I'm good. I'm good. Well, I, hopefully folks will get to those pitch shows and the ones where DJ Laz is an opener and will have their minds blown. Oh, listen, I enjoy what I do. And I've always told people, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. But the day you no longer have fun at what you do, you have to find something else. Best words. DJ Laz, thank you so much for making the time for us. Oh, man, thank you guys. This is, uh, who do I write the check to for the therapy session? The gentleman <laughs> in the white coat over there? Perfect. That's the guy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Our guest today was Lazaro Mendez, but you know him as DJ Laz. He's a legendary Miami DJ. You've heard him on Power 96, and today you can hear him on Sirius XM Radio. And that's Sundown for Wednesday, August 9th. Leslie Ovaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio. Engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. 
Coming up tomorrow on the program, West Palm Beach's first poet laureate. She'll tell us how the city's history inspired her poetry. Dahlia Perryman joins us. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only.